How can you go from consultant to speaker to thought leader and author? Find out on this episode of the Enough Already podcast. Had enough? Ready to turn your career into your own consulting and coaching business? You're in the right place. I'm Betsy Jordan, and with my background as a consultant, entrepreneur, and personal brand builder, I'm here to give you inspiration and guidance to own your brilliance, shape your brand, articulate your message, and get seen and paid as the expert that you already are. This is Enough Already, the place for consultants and coaches to learn how to create businesses and lives that they love. Welcome to the Enough Already podcast. I'm your host, Betsy Jordan, and we're still in my series on getting seen and paid as an expert. And today's guest is Dan Wheaton, who has been a treasured colleague of mine for over 10 years. When I first met Dan, he and I were both learning how to set up our consulting businesses for increased profitability and scale. What's been so fun for me is I've had a front row seat to all the ways that Dan has grown, both as a business owner and as a thought leader. And what makes Dan truly unique is how much he trusts himself. He trusts his ideas and how that trust has allowed him to refine his focus on his business to be all about risk and resilience and how that focus actually expanded his impact as he became a sought after speaker, a guest columnist, a podcast, and now an author. He's on my show today to talk about his latest book, Back Nine Walking, which for sure is his most powerful, because what he does in this book is share his reflections on midlife from his own personal experience, which is what actually makes a thought leader. He's been an expert advisor to insurance and risk professionals for years, but it's his life wisdom that he gained from losing parents and becoming a grandparent that takes this core message on risk and resilience to whole new levels. So listen into this episode if you're somebody who wants to mine your own ideas, your own big ideas, like he has risk and resilience, you wanna know what's yours and trust those ideas that you have something that's important to offer to not just your clients, but to the world at large. Dan will share with you how to make that happen. And also listen in if you're someone who holds themselves back from what you want to create or achieve with your consulting or coaching business because of the risk and how scary it can be. Because Dan has a powerful, powerful way of framing risk that will help you overcome that fear. And if you're at midlife, like so many of my clients are, and you want your second half of life to be even better than the first, you'll be so inspired by Dan's practical wisdom and his transparency about what he learned through his own struggles. And if you wanna build a business platform like Dan has that positioned him uniquely in the market and set the stage for his blog, his podcast, his speeches, and his books, please schedule a call with me at betsyjordan.com. And remember that Jordan is with a Y forward slash schedule. Now onto the show. Welcome, Dan. Well, Betsy, I am thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me. So I would love for you to share a little bit about you and what you do and also how we met. <laughs> a little bit about me. Well, uh, let me, I'm going to start with uh, I am a consultant, a speaker, and an author. And, and that may be, uh, may be uh, kind of big picture stuff, but I work with the small and medium-sized businesses and entrepreneurs to help them around everything related to risk management and resilience. And believe it or not, the book we're going to talk about today deals with that, uh, maybe even more on a personal level. But I've been a consultant around risk management and resilience for uh, now 16 years and have been in the industry for over 30, which, which is kind of scary sounding to me. 
we met uh, way back when, gosh, I'm going to say, I think it was around 2009, if my memory serves correctly, we were at a uh, at an event, uh, uh, it was a, com a consulting college put on by Alan Weiss. It was up in, first time I'd ever been to Rhode Island. Uh, and uh, you and I met there with a bunch of other consultants for a four-day consulting college. And I still remember one of the things that uh, my first memories of you, we got into a conversation about Bon Jovi and, and found <laughs> out that uh, uh, we are contemporaries. You're a little bit younger than I am, but we are contemporaries and we had an affinity for Bon Jovi music. So I think that that's one of my very first memories of, of Betsy. So apparently in order to be a close colleague of mine, you also have to like 80s music of some kind. Is that, it sounds like that's what the story is here. Uh, Apparently so, but yeah. especially big hair, big, big hair band uh, works, uh, you know, all of the, uh, the, whether it be Bon Jovi or White Snake or somebody like that. Well, that is so true. And I will work for Bon Jovi sing-along. So if you want to work <laughs> with me for free, you know, you have to do a Bon Jovi sing-along. So I'll keep I keep that in mind. I'll keep that in my back pocket. <laughs> All right. I got a couple of things. I want, I'm so excited to talk about your new book because your new book sure. sounds amazing. And all of your other books are amazing, but I want to, I want to follow up on something that you just said. I think that is really interesting is the whole idea of focusing on risk and resilience. So when you talk about risk and resilience, it seems like how do like, how do these two words go together is risk seems like, Oh, I'm afraid of stuff. And resilience means is I could overcome stuff pretty, pretty readily. How do you put these two things together? Well, first, let's redefine risk. Risk gets a bad rap. And I, I say that all the time to my clients because there's not one business owner, one entrepreneur uh, who had or one business professional who hasn't reaped a reward from risk. You Risk is not a bad thing. Risk is simply defined by me as uncertainty. There's just uncertainty. We all take a risk when we jump into our car, right? We mm -hmm. jump into a car and we start driving down the road at 60 miles an hour, 70 miles an hour, other cars zooming by us. Uh, people 300 years ago, 100 years ago would have said that we were crazy. They, they would have thought that was, was terribly risky, but it's, it's not because we know how to do it. We've taken a lot of the uncertainty out of it. So risk by itself is, should not be that scary thing. It's simply uncertainty. And in the book, I talk about embracing uncertainty. We should be embracing uncertainty. Now, really, resilience is about the ability to deal with the disappointment and adversity that comes in life. And, you know, you and I are about the same age. And I think uh, you don't have to, to be on the earth as long as we have, which isn't terribly long, to, to have adversity in your life. Bad stuff happens. And, and we have to be ready to embrace what happens and, and move forward. And that's resilience. Resilience is about dealing with, with the disappointment, the challenges, the adversity that we have in life. And, and one quick note uh, to that point is that I, I, I use golf quite a bit. And we'll talk about that. I use golf quite a bit in the book. In fact, it's called Back Nine Walking. Uh, you know, golfers, for anybody listening or watching this that's a golfer, you know that there's an acceptance of where the ball lies. You hit it there. 
right? It might be in the, in the woods, it might be in the sand trap, heck, it might be in the water, but, but the, you've, you've come to the acceptance that you have to play the ball where it lies, you put it there and you gotta move on. The same is true in life and in business. Uh, sometimes, whether it's within your control or outside of your control, your ball ended up in the woods. You have to be able to, to, to move forward. And that's where I think resilience comes into play. So I love the whole idea of how you're flipping the idea of risk on its head and reframing it in the form of resilience. But going back to when we first met, when we were at that consulting college, one of the biggest challenges you had, if I recall correctly, is figuring out, well, what your business was all about, you know, and you tried so many different things that you were, you were working through with regards to your business. And then it's, how did you get to this idea that it's about risk and, and turning risk upside its head? Uh, you know, th there's so many iterations of anybody's solo practitioner consulting business. You know that. And there's iterations in any, any business. There, there, I was confused. I was trying to figure it out. Uh, I, I don't know how I, how I kind of landed on this. I think it was one of those natural progressions. And sometimes maybe it's me just thinking about it. But it really came to mind that that risk one day I just thought risk isn't shouldn't be scary risk is something we all take and sometimes we fail through maybe no fault of our own and that resilience comes out of that and really what it did is it changed how I viewed my consulting practice because if I'm working with a, a, a small or medium-sized business CEO that CEO regardless of what kind of business they're in, they're the most important asset that they have to their company. I talk to their, I talk to employees all the time. More, more often than not, people are worried about what happens to the CEO because that person is integral to the relationships and all of that. Well, if you're not dealing with your own life well, uh, in, that, 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 that seeps into your business, your business is at risk. And so uh, you have to be resilient individually more than, than, than you think. And so what it did was it encompassed everything that I'm doing in consulting that says, let's take, a, let's take a holistic look at what is potentially hurting you and your business. What can we do to help you decrease the likelihood, reduce that likelihood of bad things happening, and then being in a position to, to play out of the rough when it does. does so, did that answer your question? Yeah, but I'm curious, like this is fascinating to me and I'm, I really am excited to get into the book, but I wanna sure. put some context. A lot of my, my listeners are people who wanna be authors like you are. They wanna be inspired by what, I know they're gonna love what you're gonna say because I know it has to do with midlife. So a lot of the people that I support are at that midlife. So I wanna sure. get to that point. But then a lot of people are interested in a similar kind of journey because writing a book is sort of like the pinnacle of a thought, you know, as it is as a thought leader. But I think it's interesting is how did you get from I'm not quite sure what my business is all about, all about to I want to do risk, but then really making connecting the dots between wait a minute, there's business risk and the personal risk to the individual. These things relate to one another. Was it just more like you're a reflective person or what gave you that clarity? that this is what your, your business is all about. And this is how you could stand out in the marketplace. I wish there was a light bulb moment, but I don't know that there was. 
I, you know, I mean, when, when we first met, like I said, that was somewhere around 12 years ago and it, it and, and it, it's been a slow journey. It's not been a bad journey. I'm still on it, but it's a slow journey. And I think what happens sometimes is uh, things pop into your head and you have to listen to them. And somewhere along the line, it popped into my head, whether I was out walking the dogs or whether I was driving down the road or whether I was listening to, to somebody speak. I don't know where that was, but somewhere along the line, this concept hit me. And I think maybe that's the biggest takeaway, Betsy, is we can't just throw away an idea that pops in. Uh, I would, I, because it, it, maybe it's, maybe it's good. Maybe it's not, but you don't know it. You have to value that. And so I've become over the years, a recorder of ideas that pop into my head and I write them down, uh, usually on my, <laughs> I usually don't write them. I usually type them into my phone. I have a, a notepad for that and I will visit, revisit them and I'll think about them and I'll, I, I want to give them their due. And I think that really that's what, what happened here is over the course of time, somewhere along the line, I had this thought and it's like, oh, this makes sense. But I, I needed to, to kind of keep moving forward on it. So I, I, I think that that's the answer because I, I don't know that I have a better one. <laughs> Actually, it relates to a different answer to a different question that we I had on a different interview that I did with you that's on my YouTube channel. And for those of you who are listening, I have another amazing interview with Dan about his 15 years of success in the consulting business. And what you said in that interview was all around trusting yourself. So it yeah. seems like this is just another iteration of trusting yourself as you also trusted your ideas. And, and also the other thing that's interesting um, you have an insurance background. So this whole idea of being in the risk world is completely organic. It's not like it was, you were over here and then your big idea was completely separate from you. It was organic to you. And that, that's where it's a different kind of thing. Well, they all meld together. And the challenge really that I've had, and I'm trying to, I'm still on this journey is having, is, is helping people understand these aren't, different things you know, whether it's insurance, whether it's risk management, whether it's resilient, these all apply to the same large concept of we we're all on a journey, our business and our professional, I mean, I'm sorry, our professional, our personal lives are our lives and how we deal with all of that affects each of the other places. So we, we, we probably need to work on it from a large, uh, you know, kind of a large picture of if risk is defined as uncertainty, as I said earlier, let's embrace it because the uncertainty should be good. There should be a lot as much, you know, more good than bad. Let's figure it out. And I think that that's where I am in my own branding journey. And I know that you're an expert in branding. It's coming up with uh, kind of the notion of explaining to people or, or at least helping them to understand that this all is intertwined. Yeah. So the idea of risk 
and resilience, meaning embracing the unknown is the big idea that we have that you're working on. Is that thematically in all of your books? So let's talk about how this fits into your overall book journey. So how did you choose to become an author and what's that journey been like? And how does your latest book fit into the rest of your books? So uh, it, it, I don't know that it does. <laughs> so it's funny. I started chuckling as you, you brought that up. So the first the first book I wrote was really, uh, I needed to have a book out there. So I took a compilation of newsletters that were popular that I'd started. And this is like 10 years ago. And I, I just put them into a book. That, that was really it. Was it uh, self-published second, or commercially published? That was self-published. Uh, the second one that was commercially published uh, was for insurance agents. And uh, the book was fine. But I, what I realized was, is that it was a, it was a small scope of people who could read it. You had to be an insurance agent to read it. So uh, then a few years later in 2015, I wrote Unleashed Leadership and that was commercially published as well. And, and that was, you know, I think it was a good book, but again, there was kind of this narrow focus. It was for people who were in a leadership position, whether it be an executive or, or the, a business owner. And so fast forward about six years, I didn't think I was going to write another book. I really didn't. I, I, <laughs> I, I thought, well, I'm doing a lot of things. I'm podcasting. I'm doing videos. I'm doing LinkedIn learning courses. These, this, is, this is my new publishing gig. And I really kind of felt that way until about last year where I started writing things around what the book theme, book's themes are. And I started getting a lot of responses, more than I, I thought. And so I started venturing out and, and writing things and I, and, and people were responding. I thought, well, I should put this into a book <laughs> and really somewhere about mid-year this year, I, I came to the conclusion that I was going to write a book uh, on these topics because there seemed to be a, a, a wider net of people who would, would, would read it. You didn't even have to be a business professional. You could be a W-2 employee for somebody and, and still gain value from it. So I, I had, a, I, I thought a larger net of people who might find interest. And then I, I purposely wrote it a little bit leaner. It's 132 pages because I'd found in doing some other collaborative work with folks is that people like when, when they saw that it wasn't a 280 page book, they said, Oh, I can read this. I've already had one person say, I read it in one day. It's about a three hour read if you do, but they, they read it in one day, which to me, I thought was kind of cool. Uh, so that was the whole process was I had started creating content that was of interest to people. It was in a written mode. So I knew that they were reading and I realized, why don't I, why don't I create something that can be the starter for more of this? So the book is probably not the last I'll do. And each of the chapters have their own theme and I'll probably do additional work. Uh, well, I, not probably, I will do additional work on each of those over the course of time that, that expand the book out. So that was a long answer to your question, but I really thought I was done writing books uh, and, and now I know I'm not. So tell me about the name of this book. So it's about the back nine. So it's a, it's the golf metaphor. And 
and um, if you're just listening and you're not recognizing that I roll my eyes whenever Dan and I start talking and it's like, oh, his golf analogies again, <laughs> he likes using golf analogies for everything. But um, what is the, what is the theme of the book and why is it called the back nine? Well, yeah, I got the golf analogies gone and I know that the golfers will will appreciate them. But I found I learned over time that even the non-golfers can find something in whatever their golf is that they as I had people say, you know, that's just like equestrian. Because <laughs> I have a, a client that's into it that, that owns an equestrian business and she's not a golfer, but she she gets it. So I thought, OK, I'm safe to, to use this. You are safe. So I have I have I two just dogs, like to poke uh, fun at you. Oh, I know. I have two dogs. Uh, as you know, uh, one is Captain Jack. The other is Bella. Uh, Bella is more of the diva. She's in the background. Captain Jack's uh, a character, but I've used Captain Jack before. He's a Jack Russell Terrier. And uh, interestingly enough, he used to be a great walker. And, and, and bear with me on this story. It's in the book. He used to be a great walker. He, he was a, the best dog I'd ever had that walked. He enjoyed doing it. Somewhere over the course of the last year, and he's, he's pushing 14 and a half now, somewhere over the course of the last year, for whatever reason, the first half of our walk was a struggle. It looked like I was kidnapping a dog. If you had seen me, it looked like I was dragging this poor dog by the harness trying to get him to walk. Somewhere around the turn, uh, the halfway point, and I think it's because he was coming, he knew he was coming going home, uh, he'd turn into the, a great walker again. And I started joking with him, man, your front nine is terrible, but you're a really good back nine walker. And so this is one of those ideas that I talked about that germinated in my head about back nine walking. And I put it to a point, point that, well, he's in the back nine of life. I'm in the back nine of life. I mean, the reality is, is I'm at I'm almost, I'll be 57 in a few days. I'm probably not going to live to 114. Uh, even though I, I hope to live a long time, it's not going to be that. So I'm, I'm walking somewhere in the back nine of life. And the concept of the challenges, the obstacles, the adversity, the uncertainty, the volatility. Uh, I didn't know in the early stages of my life what that was going to, what that meant. And I do now. And because and I feel like I'm in the midst of it. And it's really not a midlife crisis. It's a midlife understanding that you, you know, you have kids that are now no longer toddlers. They're growing up, they're going to college or they're getting their, into their own lives. You're having grandchildren. Uh, as I did, you have aging parents who end up uh, not only aging, but, but having challenges as, as they go from aging to death. And all of these, all of these life journeys affect you personally, but they also affect your career and your business because you cannot separate the two. Mm. And so I, I, you know, on many of these walks, I guess I started coming up with this idea of, well, if we're all going through the back nine together, we're all going to be facing some common some common challenges, whether it's relationships with family, whether it's, uh, you know, kind of this, what am I doing with my life? Whether it's health challenges, whatever it is, we're all dealing with these. And it's part of risk as I defined risk. And it's part, a huge part of resilience as I defined resilience. And so I thought a book for somebody who is uh, in their early to mid forties and up, which is a lot of the population would resonate 
with people. And so I started testing it out with what I was writing. And that's how this came about. And again, I apologize for the, the long answer, but um, it wasn't a quick journey, but it, it was something that I thought, uh, and, and I got feedback that was of interest. So I love this idea of testing it out. Um, what was the format that you tested it out? And were you sharing more of your personal stories or how did you test it? And what were the topics? More personal story. I'll just start with that. There were more personal stories. Um, there was a, a certain level. I'd always given personal stories, but these were probably more vulnerable stories. Uh, they, they, they were more, uh, you know, personal in the sense of, of, you know, as my parents aged and died and, and, and issues around that is comes to mind immediately, but they were more personal. And I tested them out in my newsletter and in my blog and in my column that I'm, I'm a, a monthly business columnist for uh, the local, the paper here. And I started testing them out there with my editor and he loved them and he started putting them in, in some other places as well. And so that, and the feedback I started getting, so that's where I tested them out. Um, Did you get more see, feedback on the idea interest? or was it more on you sharing your story? Like people are like, I relate to you, Dan, or is it like, wow, that's a cool idea. Or was it a combination? Combination, combination. And as you know, you know, it, it, it writing a book or writing or, or, or giving a speech is the same concept. Tell a story, make a point, Tell another story, make another point. And that's what I did is I told a personal story. And if, you know, if you read my book, you'll, you'll see that I start every chapter with telling a story about and then yourself I make a point and yeah, about me uh, or about an experience that I had. Uh, so, yeah, I guess it, it's a personal story, make a point, tell another story, make another point. And that that's kind of the whole concept. And I think what people like, I know I like as a consumer of content is I want to know that the person isn't always perfect, that there's that that person is flawed, uh, like we all are, and they're willing to be vulnerable mm. about their flaws. And um, so I did more of that than I had in the past, not that I hadn't before, but I, I was, I was more willing to, to do more of that uh, than I had in the past. And the, the feedback was, 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 was amazing. Uh, you know, I could write about kind of the old school risk management insurance. Nobody writes to me and says, oh, this really resonated with me. But when I, when I wrote about some of the other things, um, they did because people were, were also experience, experiencing that. So again, I'll keep using my, my parents and, and the aging of, of parents and all of that. I had a ton of people who are around my age, you know, some, some case a little bit older because my parents were, were much older than, than me when, when, you know, they had me at 40. So I'm, I was younger in that stage, but I had a lot of people saying, I'm going through that right now. I'm going through that right now, or I just went through it, or I see this coming. And so I thought I got to make that part of it. And so it's a major section in my book about how to deal with that because it had an impact personally, but also professionally as well. And there's a couple of things I want to follow up on this one. Um, one thing is the timing just seems perfect is one, like it, it coming out of the pandemic. That's one thing that has been equal that we've all experienced. Like everybody's going through yeah. the pandemic and it's across the globe. 
And so yep. every country, everybody's dealing with it at the same time. So it's capitalizing on that universal aspect of the suffering that we all struggle with. But then there's a second thing about in your evolution. So when we first met, you're still trying to figure out what your brand was all about. You know, then you kind of went into the risk because that made the most sense, but then risk became resilience. And then resilience became this whole idea of resilience as a person equals resilience in business. And they're all one and the same. And as you're journeying from this sought after expert to a thought leader, one of the things that I talk with Carol Cox a lot, who's um, the leader of speaking your brand about the difference between an expert and a thought leader is a thought leader puts themselves in the story. Like they put themselves into the content. And it seems like that's exactly what you've done is you put yourself into it and it's just propelling you to a different, a different level of response because people are resonating. And the other thing that I'll just add one other thing that I think is fascinating is that you're not talking literal risk management anymore. You're looking at it more from the symbolic standpoint, which makes it more universal, you know, because, you know, I may not be in charge of risk management or I may not have anything to do with it or res relate to it in terms of a business model or my role in an organization, but the concept of uncertainty and not knowing what's what, and the concept of learning how to be resilient and what it means. And I love how you've done that. I loved how you, you took your actual literal background and turned it into a symbolic kind of experience that everybody can access. That's just fascinating to me. Well, thank you. Thank you. No, I, I, and I like the, uh, the definition of a thought leader. I'd never thought of that. That's a, that's a really great, uh, uh, that's a really great different differentiation. Well, you think about the thought leaders that we love, you know, Brene Brown, we love her not because of her research, but because her research affected her and she talks about her story. You know, you think right. about Monica Lewinsky being this anti-bullying person and she shares her story so beautifully, you know, with so much grace, you know, so we love her. And it's different than here's all the facts I know about being, right. being a, you know, what, what I do about this one. Like one of the things I'm working on through my work as a, you know, I do brand positioning and messaging and I help clients figure out, all right, well, here's where you fit in the marketplace. But really what I deal with and what I help my clients with is worth and worthiness, which connects to my own story and my own journey. And it's all about worth and owning your worth and the worthiness of your gifts. And, you know, once you get out of the literal of like, okay, this is the ticky tacky stuff that I do, you could really tap into that human spirit. And it seems like that's exactly what you've done with this book. So it's, well, it's, and, and I think one of the things that also is a commonality and, and I'll just say for people who are on that back nine journey is there is, is, is kind of a greater sense of self, whether people want to admit it or not, you've, you've been around the, the, the sun so many times that there's a greater understanding of where you are in life. And, and the pandemic, I think has also heightened everybody's sense of mortality mm -hmm. that, you know, uh, here's where I am. I'm in my mid fifties. Uh, this is what I've done the last 30 years of my adult life. Um, if I'm fortunate enough to live another 30 or 40 years, what is it that I want to do? How do I want that to look? Um, and I knew that I, I, I knew what I wanted it to look like and what I didn't want it to look like. And, and some of that is within my control. Some of it's not, but I, I really felt like if I could uh, play the odds better on how I, thought, because a lot, most of this is mindset, Betsy, you know, this, most of this is mindset. Now, while there's uh, things around health that I knew I could do, and I have done, most of this is about how I respond and view 
uh, things that are happening to me or around me. And, and so that was really a, a large crux of the book is you can help yourself out, but you, you have to change your mindset. Well, I shouldn't say that. You have to be focused on your mindset because I'm sure people reading the book will are, are doing, <laughs> there's some people doing a good job of that, but it's a reminder that um, no matter what you're doing in your, in your professional life, however that looks, you are your own corporation, however that looks, uh, your future from, a, from you know, both a, a personal wealth standpoint, uh, whether it's financial or whether it's, it's uh, the people that you have relationship with, uh, all of that is going to be based on you. And the first thing I say in the book, Betsy, I'm going to go back to my the golfers for a second. One of the things I love about golf, it's unique. It's different than any other sport. It's my ball. It's my destiny. That, that golf ball, nobody, nobody's coming to hit me. Nobody's throwing something at me. Nobody is, is competing directly against me. It's me and that golf ball. And so it's where I hit it. And it's how I, how I respond to it all the way through the course. And that's life. You know, while we have people around us that will affect us in the end, it's my ball. It's my destiny. And I think that that's an important concept for people to start out with. Well, it seems like there's a pre place to start off with that you said earlier is it's my ball and my destiny, but I can't control my destiny unless I accept where my ball actually is. And, yep. you know, so I'm, you may not know all the skills that you need to move the ball. Like I think mindset's one of those complicated things where you can't will yourself into the right mindset. You have to do a lot of work. You have to unpack all the reasons that would get in your way, but it could begin very simply with, I have to accept where my ball actually is. And from there, then I can do something. But if I can't accept where my ball is, like you see, although the picture, you know, the, the proverbial angry golfer who's so mad because, you know, right. they're banging their club because their ball's in a place that they don't want it to be. And they get so angry. And I can't imagine that that person is going to have a really good game and for nope. sure, not a good back nine, but the ones who accept like, all right, here's where my ball actually is. Here's where my skill sets actually are. I could probably do something with that. It's actually more empowering. It, it is because, you know, uh, it, it, sometimes it's bad luck where your ball ends up. It's not, it wasn't your fault. It wasn't, it wasn't a bad shot. It was, it was bad luck. Well, we have that happen in life. It wasn't our fault, just bad luck. Sometimes it is your fault. You know, and, and you have to end up there. Um, and, and there's a combination. And you and I have seen enough people in our lives, in our business and in our personal lives, that it's always somebody else's fault. They're where they are because it's somebody else's fault. Uh, or they can't get out of where they are because it's somebody else. And the acceptance of, yeah, you know what? Here's where I'm at how do I get over there? And, and I, again, using golf, the goal is not to hit the ball the farthest. The goal is to get the ball in the hole in the least amount of strokes. Mm. And it's course management. This is life management. This is business management. If you get off course, get back on course now, but don't, don't, you don't have to take the biggest risk. You just got to get back onto course because you, you want to take triple bogey out of play. Right. 
And so that's, that's part of life. And, and like I said, you don't have to be a golfer to understand the concept of, okay, I'm off course for whatever reason, I need to get back on course quickly as possible to minimize the, you know, the damage or maybe get an opportunity that, that presents itself. So if I were going to bottom line what the book is about, what I'm hearing you say is it sounds like what your overall theme is, is that the back nine can be your best back nine, like it was for Captain Jack, where he might have been dragging and then he got happy in his back nine walking. And the way that you get there begins with one understanding that your personal, your career, your personal, your business, they're all intertwined. And and part of that intertwining is learning how to deal with uncertainty and having the resilience and the strategies to get there, to get to that mindset where it's my ball, my destiny begins with the acceptance of where your ball actually is, where your starting point is, and just working through that whole mindset is in there. And so that's where you have control over how the back nine actually goes through acceptance of how the maybe the first, the first nine actually went and acceptance of where you're actually at in order to move forward. I don't know if that, is that what the book's no, all that's, about? That's, that's, a perf, that's a perfect way of putting it. I, I think really in the end, when I, if I can break down the analogy, uh, real golfers don't want the back nine to end. They're not, they're not, they're not miserable on the back nine. And unfortunately I've seen too many people who age in, in a way mm. that is different than what they were on the front. And they say, Oh, that's what happens when you get old or that's what, uh, no, you should be celebrating, uh, what probably is the perfect time in our lives. And we've have all this experience and all this background and all the, you know, what we, what we've got. And so it's really about, Hey, enjoy. And these are some ways that you can celebrate your, you know, the back nine, even more than, than what the front nine was. So that is beautiful. I love that because that's the whole, and it's funny that you use golf because most people picture like, oh, I've made it by re being able to retire and spend all day long on the golf course. And you're not looking to get everybody to spend all day long on the golf course. It's just a metaphor for life to say, you got to go and enjoy your life. Enjoy your second act. Enjoy right. your third act of whatever it is that don't just waste all of your experience by checking out, you know, engage into your life. That's a great idea. That's a great, well, great truth. Actually, it's not an idea. It's just a great truth you're reminding us of. So I, I want to go back to uh, just two other things before we wrap up mm -hmm. this conversation. You know, one, is there anything else that you want to talk about in terms of your journey as a consultant, as an entrepreneur, as a speaker, as an author, um, that anything about that journey or your books and, and what this book's all about? And I just didn't ask you the right question. Uh, you know, I, I would, I would just, if, if, if you're looking for, you know, somebody who's listening or watching that that's in their own journey and, and, and how to, how to deal with that. Uh, you know, I, I was asked once, <laughs> you know, if you could give yourself some advice and I, let's just go back to, if you could give yourself some advice back, then what would it be? Uh, it, it would be this to, to everybody listening. It's going to be okay. You know, there, there's going to be those really challenging, difficult times uh, where you want to walk off the course, right? You just, I'm on the 12th hole and I'm, I'm done. I'm going to walk off. Uh, you know, don't do it. Uh, you know, be, be, be persistent, be resilient, uh, find help, get the right help. 
it, it's going to be okay. And uh, that's probably the, the, the thing that I've learned that uh, through all of the adversity, through all of the good things, uh, find a way to, to, to enjoy the journey because it, it's going to be okay. So is this the one piece of advice you would have given your younger self who was just starting out your consulting business? Is that what you would have said is? Yeah, I would have said, just relax. Uh, you know, it, it's, <laughs> it's going to be okay. Uh, it's going to be hard. It's going to challenge you. Uh, but you're in control of how you respond to it. So just relax. Uh, it's going to be okay. Awesome. And for people who want to get your book and learn more about you, your business, working with you, how do they get the book and how do they get in touch with you? So the easiest way to get the book is to go to my website, which is back nine. And that's the number nine back nine walking.com. Uh, you can either buy it directly from me at, with a signed copy, or you can go to Amazon. Uh, it's available in all those formats. So back nine walking.com. You can also go to danweeden.com. Uh, to learn more about the work that I do. Uh, if you're a small business owner, a medium-sized business owner, and you're, you're working on trying to help your business to, to deal with all of that, uh, I can help with that. So the book is at backninewalking.com, uh, or you can go to danweeden.com. You'll also find it there as well. Well, thank you so much, Dan, for being on the show today. And if you want to learn more about Dan's journey, as an entrepreneur, you could also check out the other video I have of us having a conversation about your 15 years of success as a consultant. So that's another way you can get to know more about Dan, but thank you so much for being here today. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in. If today's episode lit a fire in you, please rate and review enough already on Apple podcasts or subscribe wherever you listen. And if you're looking for your next step, visit me on my website at betsyjordan.com and it's Betsy Jordan with a Y, and you'll learn all about our end-to-end -end services that are custom designed to accelerate your success. Don't wait, start today.